Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of 20 and Trying. I'm Charlotte Tratner and my guest this week is Andrea Jabau, the current Miss New York USA. At just 25 years old, Andrea has been named Phoenix Magazine's 30 Under 30, is a writer for Sway, and even traveled overseas for her volunteer work. In this episode, Andrea and I talk about her experience immigrating to the United States at just seven years old from Cape Verde, celebrating what makes you different, battling imposter syndrome, her organization more than enough, and owning your failures because Instagram highlight reels aren't reality. Andrea and I first met about six years ago when we were competing for the same pageant. I have this crazy vivid memory of sitting next to her on a random day and I was blown away with how kind, thoughtful, and considerate she was. Now we did record this episode a few weeks ago, right before Christmas, so I'm so excited to finally share it with you. Hello. Hi, girly. How are you? I'm pretty good. How are you? I'm good. You look absolutely stunning. Thank you. Are you still in Florida? I still am. Okay. Mm-hmm. I say that because I'm literally looking out my window right now and we the snow just started hitting because we're getting like a blizzard later tonight into tomorrow and it just started snowing right now and I'm like so excited. <laughs> I saw there was a storm warning. Yeah. And I just kept thinking, oh, I wish I'm in New York. <laughs> <laughs> well, we haven't had a blizzard in New York in a little bit over two years. Like the winters have been really just whatever, like it snowed, but it's only been like an inch or two. So this is apparently going to be the biggest storm since 2018 so I'm like really <laughs> excited which is for someone who doesn't have a car you know and just gets to stay in her apartment that's why I'm excited <laughs> exactly and I mean why should we expect anything less from 2020 than to bring like a, the first big storm Honestly, in two years that part yeah seriously <laughs> Well, I'm so excited you agreed to do this. I have been wanting to interview you. You've been on my list since the start of this podcast. So I'm so glad that schedules finally worked and we can sit down and talk. Yeah, I'm excited. All right, well, let's get right into it. Obviously, 2020 has been a really rough year and it's brought some horrible negativity and just sad things all around. But we do need to have some optimism and some positive things. So a new segment I started is weekly optimism. So what's something that you are looking forward to within the next few weeks? The next few weeks, well, it's Christmas next week already. Jeez, like time has been flying by and not even just, you know, something that I'm really grateful for and looking forward to the next few weeks, but something that I've been really mindful of the last couple of months into 2020 has just been the time that I get to spend with my family. My family lives about four hours away from me and having the opportunity to see them and it be safe in a way because they don't have any health issues or anything like that, that, you know, prevent me from really going and seeing them. That's been something that I've been really, really grateful for. And I'm really excited for because, you know, not everybody has that experience, you know, to look forward to this year. Absolutely. I think my weekly optimism is very similar that my dad and my mom are taking time off from work. So it's going to be a time that we can see each other and spend time with each other and not have to have the stress of work or school or those factors playing into the time that we get to spend together. Mm -hmm. So you're in New York. Is your family, are they in Massachusetts? Yeah, they're they're still living in Massachusetts and I'm in New York. So yeah, I'm about like four hours away from them by car. 
Well, you just said you didn't have a car though. How are you going to see no, that? No, I mean, but like car, train, all of that. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I usually just like take the train up. See, that's something that I love and I even miss about being in New York, just how close everything is. It takes eight hours to get out of the state of Florida in and of itself. And you can take four hours on a train and then you're in a different state. That's just Literally, so yeah. <laughs> mind boggling to me. And that's why people would just rather take the public transportation here in New York versus getting a car because you just get around so much easier and quicker and you don't have to worry about parking, getting tickets or any of that stuff. It's still crazy though, because traffic is so bad. So there have there's people who drive their cars into the city for work. It's yeah, there's usually it's mostly people from New Jersey that work in New York um, that tend to drive the most, but for the most part, I don't think traffic in New York is as bad as people usually think. I just think that there's always so much going on. It's not just cars on the road, but you're having people crossing at the same time. You're having mm -hmm. lights flashing. There's, you know, dancing going off on the side. So looking at it, it seems like there's a lot going on, mm -hmm. but there really isn't that big of a traffic. You're absolutely right. And when I was there, I did a majority, like most of what I did was just walking around. So mm -hmm. who am I to say? Um, <laughs> but you immigrated to the United States from Cape Verde when you were very young. You didn't speak any English when you came here. And now you're Miss New York USA. Mm -hmm. So that is an incredible journey. And I would love to know what that was like for you. Wow. Okay. Where do I even start? So I when I immigrated here at seven years old, just kind of giving you a little bit of background beforehand, I was born into poverty in Cape Verde. There was really no opportunity to make any dream happen. There was no opportunity for a chance at a higher or good education. I barely had like any school supplies going to school. I wore the same clothes, had the same pairs of shoes, but that was my life. That's all I knew. So I didn't really know anything better. So when my parents told me that we were immigrating to the United States, I had no idea what that meant. I was just kind of like, okay, I guess we're going somewhere. We're not coming back. And all they kept telling me was, you're just going to have an opportunity to have a good life. And that's really one of the things that really stuck with me. And I was really excited, but nothing could have prepared me for the journey that I took on once I got here, um, especially not speaking English. I got bullied a lot. I was definitely the outsider because the school that I went to when I first got here was predominantly white and they all spoke English. It wasn't like a multilingual, you know, kind of classes. So mm -hmm. I truly just felt like the outcast. And after that, I spent most of my life the following couple of years trying so hard to fit in, trying so hard to feel like I could finally belong to the point that like I made it a goal of mine to learn English as quickly as I possibly could and also learn it without an accent. So no one could tell that, you know, I was an immigrant or, you know, that I wasn't from here because I never wanted someone to point their finger at me and say, she's different. She doesn't belong here. That was one of my biggest fears. And now it's been quite the opposite because now I'm at a place where I've truly learned to celebrate all of the things that have made me different. I've learned to embrace all of the struggles that I went through because it's made me who I am. Every part of me was because of all of that. And, and that I'm so grateful for. To be only seven and to be aware if I learned English, I would fit in. But to be so young and to have this fear about your accent, thats which obviously you know how eloquent you speak, you would <laughs> never be able to tell. <laughs> right. 
it, but it really speaks that there's been this shift within our way of thinking as an adult now that we embrace our differences and we celebrate people of different cultures. And mm-hmm. I think children just can be so cruel. But now you have created a platform for yourself celebrating what makes you special and your past and becoming the role model that I'm sure you would have loved to see when you were younger. No, exactly. That's what More Than Enough is all about. It's really been a reflection of my life and what I've gone through and what so many other boys and girls out there go through. And the thing for me is, though, I just feel very lucky. I feel very grateful because not everybody has the opportunity that I have had to not only immigrate to the United States, but also have really supportive parents and parents who emotionally invested so much in me for me to get to where I am right now. Because for me, like, I actually felt even, I guess, in my adult life, I was battling a lot with an imposter syndrome, Mm -hmm. because I felt like there was such a disconnect between where I come from, and where I am now. And with everything happening in between, it's just so mind blowing. I'm really happy that you actually brought up the topic of imposter syndrome because this is something that we're hearing more and more about today. Like, oh, I feel like I don't deserve to have this title or I don't deserve to be running this business when in reality you put in the work. So how do you handle that, that quote unquote imposter syndrome? For me personally, it's been very humbling. I think that's one of the things that really keeps me grounded in a way and keeps me humble because whenever I read comments on my Instagram or whenever, you know, someone is talking about me and like they say really positive things, I'm one of those people that I'm like, oh my gosh, wow, like no way. Like they actually just said this about me. Like I'm like in shock and I've had to kind of grasp believing and seeing what those people, the positive thing that those people are saying about me, because in the beginning, I didn't believe it. I was just kind of, like I said, there was such such a disconnect. I just couldn't believe it. I was like, they're totally lying. But now it's, it's like, I'm starting to work on becoming more accepting of that. And knowing that everything that I have worked for, I have rightfully earned and all of the skills and opportunities that I have had were meant for me. And there is nothing, I guess, imposter about that. But of course, you know, you still kind of battle that feelings here and there. I think that's really accurate. You worked for everything and you worked really hard. There's no faking that. There's no Mm -hmm. faking your work ethic. And it's clear to your followers and the people who have seen you grow your platform over, it's been oh my gosh, I was 16 when we met and now, so seven years, like over the past, and obviously that speaks volumes about who you are as a person. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. And you mentioned more than enough. So can you explain a little bit about what that is? Yeah, so More Than Enough is my initiative and the whole mission of it, the whole purpose is to empower inner city youth to recognize that everything that they have inside of them to succeed in life, well, everything that they need to succeed in life, they already have inside of them. And I focus specifically on inner city students because like I said, it's just a reflection of my life. And more often than not, they're the people who are overlooked and don't have the same access to opportunities. They don't have the same access to resources. And they're the ones that the media always tends to put down and never uplift. They never see themselves represented. They never have people who look like them be called beautiful. And that's why I decided to focus more so on them because they have so much to offer the world. 
And I feel like because I also come from that same circumstance, I think it does our society just such a disservice when we keep those group of people from moving forward in life. Because at the end of the day, I really believe that what it does is we just lose out on doctors and future lawyers and future creatives. And we be all because we never foster their, their success. We never foster love into them from a really young age. I think that is so important. I can only imagine how these children feel with this beautiful glamazon walking in <laughs> to a classroom. But I'm curious how you've been able to adapt your platform during this COVID world that we're living in because you are working with inner city students mm -hmm. and you mentioned that a lot of them don't have access to certain things. So right now we're all using Zoom for meetings. How right. are you working on your project during this pandemic world? So I was actually going on a school tour. It was supposed to start two weeks after New York City had shut down due to COVID. And at first I was like, oh my God, what am I going to do? So I actually ended up making the entire thing into a mentorship program. So I did a 30-minute one-on-one mentorship program with over 170 girls. Wow. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it went from March, the end of March, all the way to September. And so that was my way of still getting my message out there. But of course, there were some issues because not every person that I wanted to talk to or that wanted to talk to me had, had access to Wi-Fi. Mm -hmm. So then it became, how can we get this person the ability to have access to Wi-Fi? Some of them were able to use their school laptop and you know, even some of them had to sit in a Dunkin' Donuts or a McDonald's to be able to, you know, have that conversation with me. But that just goes to show because, you know, yes, it wasn't easy and they had to go through obstacles. But my whole message was like, hey, the obstacle that you're facing right now isn't going to dictate how the rest of your life can be. This isn't how it has to be. And when I share my story being like, hey, like I've been where you are, um, you know, my parents worked four factory jobs and there were times at home where I didn't have food. There were times at home where we didn't have cable or Wi-Fi and look where I am now. And there's no difference between you and I. Saying there were times that you didn't have food and you're using your past to shape the work that you're doing, but how do you feel that your past also shaped the person that, that you're becoming? Oh, it, it's been everything for me because I think it's just widened my perspective because I've really lived both worlds of both extremes of literally having absolutely nothing to now being Miss New York USA and being offered so many incredible opportunities and having the opportunity to travel and even go to different countries as well. To me, having those two perspectives just shapes just the way that I move in life. It shapes my conversations with people on a day-to-day -day basis because I'm able to be more empathetic. I'm able to see both sides to a situation and be more patient. And I think that for me has not only shaped you know, my career and what I love to do, but it's just shaped my character and who I am as a woman. As Miss New York USA, your reign is typically one year, but... This has been a very strange year, um, yes. <laughs> but you're, you were also, well, you still are Miss Earth USA 2017. Yes. So pageantry is nothing new for you. No. <laughs> How do you feel that those titles have helped you make an impact, not just on a state level, but a national and an international level? That question is very easy for me to answer because all I have to do is think about the messages that I get on a daily basis on my Instagram, uh, through my email, of people really being inspired and touched. Because for me, 
to be honest, before I even really got into pageants, that's one of the things I always dreamed about and thought about and like envisioned. <laughs> you know how like you lay down at night and like you fantasize about like your future life or fantasize a scenario? For me, what I always fantasize about was having other people look up to me, especially I'm the oldest of three girls. And so I just really value the opportunity to be a role model for somebody else because I also never had that. So I just always wanted people to see a role model in me, to be inspired, to be motivated. And those are the kinds of messages that I get now. People saying like, hey, like I was thinking so long of doing this and I couldn't do it, but watching this video of you or hearing you talk about this or just watching your journey the past few years, I feel so empowered. I feel like I can actually do it. I've been inspired. And to me, that just means the absolute world and really the biggest reason why, you know, I stayed in pageants for as long as I did, because I felt like I still had more to do. I still had more to accomplish in that essence, more people to reach. So when your reign for Miss New York USA is up, what do you plan to do? So basically a little bit of what I've been doing now. So I'm a writer for Sway. I'm also a, I'm an ambassador for New York Cares. So I plan to just continue working with them throughout the year with different projects. And also I work as a speaker. So right now, of course, everything's really slow because of COVID, but I'm hoping to really break out into the international market because I do speak four languages and it's something that I don't want to get rustic on because <laughs> it's so easy to forget, mm -hmm. you know, how to be fluent in a language. So I want to keep practicing that um, for really the rest of my life. And then also going into content creating with YouTube and Instagram, but the absolute big dream on top of my philanthropic efforts is to have my own talk show mm -hmm. and to also start my own company. So <laughs> that is absolutely phenomenal. There's not a doubt in my mind that you'll be able to accomplish that, but what language, obviously English, but what are the other three? <laughs> Spanish, Portuguese, and Cape Verde and Creole. Okay, that's no small feat. <laughs> So yeah, so uh, Cape Verde and Creole is my first language, mm -hmm. followed by Portuguese. Um, and then I learned Spanish watching soap operas with my mom, actually, when I was younger. And then, of course, I took Spanish in school. But I think the soap operas helped a lot more than <laughs> the Spanish classes. I mean, I took Spanish at school, too, but definitely don't speak <laughs> it at a level that I'd be able to get by. I tried watching Grey's Anatomy in Spanish, and it didn't, nothing helped. <laughs> Also, I don't know the story of actually how you got involved in pageantry, but I would love to know about what brought you into this world. Yeah, so I had never watched pageants growing up, didn't really know what it was. My first memory of pageants was in 2011 when Layla Lopes won Miss Universe because she's from Angola and Angola and Cape Verde are kind of like BFFs in a way. And she also spoke Portuguese and she resembled me. And I didn't even watch like the pageant as it was happening. I watched it, I think a few months after it happened because everybody was talking about her. So that's when pageants first got introduced to me. And when I was about 17 years old, my best friend and my drama club director, they both kept telling me that I should do a pageant. And I'm like, um, no, absolutely not. Like, there's no way I do not. I have not looked like this all my life. <laughs> so I was like, there is no way I look nothing like those girls. Like they're all tall, white, blue eyed, blonde hair, stunning. That is just not me. And I was just really discouraged. So it took them two years of convincing me to finally be like, fine, like I'll do it. And that's when I was 19 years old. So <laughs> 
Oh my gosh. That's so what I competed for when I went Miss Teen United States. I was going to say, was that your, your first experience? That was, well, that was technically my, so Miss Teen New York was my second. I had competed for Miss Massachusetts USA mm -hmm. and Teen USA and I got top 15. <laughs> okay. Just decided after being convinced <laughs> for two years. And I went into it, so funny, I went into it with no coach. I, I ordered my dress, I think, from like Amazon. It was way too short. I went to pay less, had to get a little kitten heel because my dress was like high waters on me. And I basically showed up and I'm like, hey, judges, I'm here. I have no plan. I don't know what's going on, but I'm here. <laughs> wow. I'm, I'm just completely blown away when you said you ordered the dress and you're tall. I was like, how? Wait, yeah. How did you find a dress that was long enough it was basically almost hitting my knees <laughs> but that's a true testament to it's not about the gown it's not about the shoes it's not about the hair it's about the woman who mm -hmm. is being chosen to represent whether it's a city or a state or a country absolutely and you are the whole package <laughs> thank you <laughs> of course so you were currently named phoenix magazine's 30 under 30. So what are some of the factors that you think have led to your success at such a young age? Yeah, so that was for my philanthropic efforts. And I mean, one, I've always been in a space of giving back because like I said, coming from nothing, I just recognize when I have the opportunity to give something because there's so many people out there of need and not only financial stuff, but need of support, affirmations, <laughs> um, supplies, food. And when I first started pageants, that's actually where everything really catapulted for me. And I've been able to travel to Nigeria and host a food market there. I went to Nicaragua and I fed children and their families and, uh, uh, homeless shelters. I've like I've literally been to so many places in the world and especially here in the United States. And the thing for me is no matter what I do, no matter what point in my life I'm in, there's always a factor in my life that I am working with the nonprofit organization or I have a project going on of giving back. And that's really what led to me being on the list for the 30 under 30 for Phoenix magazine. And what was that like when you knew you made this list? It was like everything else in my life where I'm like, um, what is going on? <laughs> Are they serious? Like me? Really? <laughs> and my mom, on the other hand, is like my biggest fan. She Aww. like literally keeps everything that I'm ever in. I don't have them, but my mom has it. She will keep it forever. And she thought it was like the coolest thing in the world and posted it on Facebook. And I was like, okay, mom. <laughs> She's like, you need to add this to your bio now. And I'm like, okay, mom. <laughs> Oh, that's so sweet. I think it was your mom. I have this crazy memory of just walking up to you at an elevator with someone. I was like, you're so amazing. Aww. I think it was with your mom. I don't it remember. It probably but was. She, whoever you were with was so incredibly sweet. And it's just so probably sweet. Probably my mom. Oh, and so how has that been now that because you're in New York and she's still in Massachusetts. So have you been able to see her over the past few months? And as such a big supporter, what was it like for her when you were competing in Miss USA? So I, I mean, I don't see them as often as I would like uh, because I do have such a busy schedule here in New York. But I mean, I talk to my mom literally every single day. Actually, if I go two days without calling her, she'll call me and be like, what have you been doing? Why haven't you been calling me? And 
I mean, for her to see me compete at Miss USA was one of those kind of experiences that I'm going to treasure for the rest of my life. Because like I said, where we come from, things like this don't happen. You don't hear stories like this. And to her, it just made all the sacrifices that she made worth it. Because when my mom first got here, she really spent a good 15 years of her life putting her goals, her needs to the side to make sure that my sisters and I have food on the table to make sure that we had what we needed, you know, to go through life. And it wasn't until really the past four, five years that she's actually focused on herself and was able to go back to school because she only had, I think it was like a high school degree, not even a high school degree. She didn't, she didn't finish high school, but she actually went and got her college degree and wow. she now has three businesses. So to her, yeah, she's killing life. <laughs> So, you know, for her to see me compete at Miss USA, like I said, it was just kind of like everything she worked so hard for was worth it. And also now my sisters get to see the possibilities. You know, they don't have to follow what I did, but at least that they know that in life, anything is truly possible no matter what. That's such a beautiful message. And I think it's something that will resonate with everyone to some degree. But Andrea, this podcast is all about people who are in their 20s that are trying to make the most of it. So what are some common fears or struggles that you think we all go through? Oh, okay. Listen, being in your 20s is hard. It is so hard because you just feel so much pressure on your shoulders and in the world and pressure that you put on yourself to get things done, to make money, to make a living, to be happy, to find love. And you realize really quickly that the things that you thought about when you were 10, 15 years old about how your life would be like in your 20s not necessarily no isn't isn't realistic and so you battle that and every day it's like you have to live life moment by moment when you live in your 20s because things just change day in and day out and you're dealing with so many emotions of not only your own but the people around you and conflicts and all while trying to figure out what you want figure out what you want to do with your life because as much as we want to have it all together we don't. And I think it's really important that we know that that's okay. I think our generation does a better job of this than previous generations, but I think that we still need, we still have some ways to go in the terms of we don't always share the failures and the disappointments and the really the behind the scenes. And, and I'll speak for myself because, you know, I'm 25 years old and I live, literally, I've been in pageants my entire life of being in my 20s and people see this persona of me you know being in pageant mode and all that stuff and being a title holder but they also fail to recognize or think about that I am in my 20s and I'm dealing with all of this stuff on the side whether it's boyfriends whether it's apartments whether it's money and finances and a career all of this stuff and it's hard <laughs> I couldn't agree more. And I think this common theme that I keep hearing, it's like you have these societal goals that we all feel like we should be hitting and we don't reach those goals. We feel like a failure, even mm -hmm. though no one's telling us you have to be married by this time, or you have to be financially independent by this time, or you have to be earning X amount of money per year. Like who is telling us these things? And then why do we feel like a failure when we don't hit them? Yeah, that's like the million dollar question, right? I mean, I think a little bit 
has to do with society standards and what we're fed on a daily basis. You know, when you go on Instagram and you see everybody's highlight reel and they're living their best lives and, you know, you see some of these YouTubers who got really lucky and TikTokers who got really lucky and now are living in multi-million dollar homes in LA and you're like, where did I go wrong? And so there's so many things you're, you're just questioning. You're trying to figure out like, why couldn't this have happened to me? Why couldn't this have happened to me? But the, also the beauty in that though is we all just live very different paths and I always tell people you know if we all put our complaints in our pile our, our problems in a pile we'll be really quickly to pick ours back up yeah the people who make it on TikTok or YouTube I feel like it's that one lucky person like mm -hmm. in a sea of people you know right, but it's, we see so much of that yes though. it's literally in the one percent maybe 0.5 percent but we, that's what we see 80% of the time. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I love Instagram for its capability to connect with different people, to amplify voices that need to be amplified, but it also can amplify the wrong voices sometimes. Mm -hmm. And even though people can be very candid on Instagram, they're still posting a beautiful photo of themselves. Right. Like, that's going to be the photo that they post. Something I've been seeing more so is, like, the body positivity, like, same day, same outfit, wearing it differently, or just different angle. Uh -huh, but the photo right. that everyone posts first is the photo that looks is, better. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, Instagram is definitely um, two sides of the same coin. It is. And the thing is, it's like, we can't really fault other people for it or ourselves for it. I think what we just have to be more mindful of and what we can control is just finding a way to not let that dictate how we feel about ourselves or let that ruin our day or let that second guess, you know, just our mood for the day. We, I think it's our responsibility to find a different way to uplift ourselves and practice self-love. So when you do see things like that, it's not triggering for you. You're just kind of like, oh, okay, well, like it, don't like it, whatever, keep scrolling, but it doesn't trigger you. And I think that when we get to a point of, you know, really more so looking in than trying to fix what's going on, you know, the outside, the exterior, that's when I think the problem will really be solved because people won't really care that much to have everything be so perfect. Well, that leads me perfectly to the next question I was going to ask you. What advice do you have? for people who are in their 20s that are trying to make the most of this decade, but feel like they keep taking three steps forward and two steps back? We're all in this together. You're not the only one, because I think a lot of the times where when you go through something, you're like, the whole world is crashing down on me. I'm the only person, you know, that's going through this and, and whatnot. And that's not true at all. There's so many people going through not only that exact situation or just the different situation in general, but have the same feelings. And I think that it's just really important to, one, recognize, yeah, like you're feeling this way and why, but know that tomorrow's a new day. Know that how you're feeling right now isn't going to last forever. And what I always tell people is think about, you know, the last time that you were really upset or sad or heartbroken. What happened? you got better, you moved on, you kind of forgot about it, it became a memory, you healed. And how you're feeling right now is what's going to end up happening. So, you know, whether it's five days from now, a month from now, five months from now, you are going to look 
back at that emotion, at that experience as a memory, as a lesson learned. And you're not going to always carry that hurt or that disappointment or that discomfort with you. And when you switch your mind into thinking in that perspective, it brings down your anxiety and you're so much at ease because then you don't kind of shackle yourself down to feeling like that forever. That is such an amazing message. I love how you compare it to heartbreak because you know you've gotten over something and you'll be able to get over this next hurdle just like mm-hmm. you did any past hurdle it's that's such a wonderful message Andrea I'm so happy that we got to talk and connect and share all of the wonderful wisdom that you have of course thank you I appreciate it. listen I've just I've literally just been through so much in my life and I'm like the person in my friend group who's always there for advice or always thinks that she has the right answer so listen anytime I have the opportunity to I will definitely share my wisdom you know what I I think that's a perfect place for you in the friend group I'm sure the wisdom is always on point as well I try I try well Andrea thank you so much for joining me Well, thank you for having me. This is, first off, congratulations. This is incredible. I think that, you know, what you're doing is so important because having avenues like this, having a platform like this, where you're really connecting with people emotionally and directly in terms of things that we all face is so important because, you know, people are going to listen to this and they're going to feel like they're not alone. Well, they're going to know that they're not alone. And you just may be giving someone the little extra um, to keep pushing forward and see tomorrow's a new bright day. So I love this. So congratulations, uh, congratulations again. And of course, thank you for having me on. <laughs> oh, well, thank you for those kind words. I really appreciate it. Of course. Andrea is so much more than Andrea is so much more than a pageant title holder. She embodies what 20 and trying is all about. Her service to others is just part of what makes her the amazing woman she is. You can follow her journey on Instagram at Andrea Jabao or by following the link in the description box below. And if you're not already following at Houghton Holistic for 20 and trying sneak peeks, what are you waiting for? Happy New Year, everyone. We'll be back with more amazing episodes in 2021. Thank you.